Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 141. From the fawn's ribs. Then it flew off into the trees, the red strip dangling from its beak like a long, bloody worm. Hey, can you at least get me back to a real road, called Shadow? The raven flew up and away. Shadow looked at the corpse of the baby deer. He decided that if he were a real woodsman, he would slice off a steak and grill it over a wood fire. Instead, he sat on a fallen tree and ate a Snickers bar and knew that he really wasn't a real woodsman. The raven cawed from the edge of the clearing. You want me to follow you? asked Shadow. Or has Timmy fallen down another well? The bird cawed again impatiently. Shadow started walking toward it. It waited until he was close, then flapped heavily into another tree, heading somewhat to the left of the way Shadow had originally been going. Hey, said Shadow, Hugin or Munin, or whoever you are. The bird turned, head tipped suspiciously on one side, and it stared at him with bright eyes. Say never more, said Shadow. Fuck you, said the raven. It said nothing else as they went through the woodland together, the raven in the lead and flying from tree to tree, the man stomping heavily through the undergrowth trying to catch up. The sky was a uniform gray. It was almost midday. In half an hour they reached a blacktop road on the edge of town, and the raven flew back into the wood. Shadow observed a Culver's Frozen Custard Butter Burgers sign, and next to it a gas station. He went into the Culver's, which was empty of customers. There was a keen young man with a shaven head behind the cash register. Shadow ordered two butter burgers and french fries. Then he went into the restroom to clean up. He looked a real mess. He did an inventory of the contents of his pockets. He had a few coins, including the Silver Liberty Dollar, a disposable toothbrush and toothpaste, three Snickers bars, five chemical heater pads, a wallet with nothing more in it than his driver's license and a credit card. He wondered how much longer the credit card had to live. And in the coat's inside pocket, a thousand dollars in fifties and twenties, his take from yesterday's bank job. He washed his face and hands in hot water, slicked down his dark hair, then went, and that's our page, and that's our week. Awesome. Shadow considering trying to be a real woodsman and then realizing he's just going to have a Snickers bar in his pocket is one of the funnier moments of the book, maybe actually only undone by the Nevermore reference down the page, but I like that Shadow is this everyman sort of character for the most part, and that he doesn't mysteriously get all kinds of new survival powers just because he's our protagonist. The reference to Timmy falling down a well is a nod to probably the 1954 television series Lassie. Lassie is a dog of the breed Rough Collie. The TV series is the most popular version of the character. However, there were a number of novels that also featured the Collie. The trope of a life-saving rough collie, also named Lassie, was actually first written of in 1859, a British story entitled The Half-Brothers by one of my favorite Victorian authors, Elizabeth Gaskell. Though I did just learn that Elizabeth Gaskell wrote a fictional Bronte biography, so thanks for ruining that for me, historical hotties. And if you're not listening to historical hotties, you should go listen to historical hotties. Unlike this show, they actually do their research ahead of time and don't spend minutes going on about the etymology of jism. Well, I haven't listened to every episode, but I'm pretty sure they don't. Anyhow, after the Elizabeth Gaskell story, a rough collie named Lassie was found on the Royal Navy ship Formidable in World War I and followed a group of dead sailors into the makeshift mortuary in the cellar of a pub. It then nuzzled and licked and warmed a presumed dead sailor named John Cowan back to life. The American iteration, the one that Shadow is likely making a reference to, was created by Eric Knight, featured in the Saturday Evening Post in a story in 1938. 
Though the story itself takes place in England due to Knight having been born there, traveled to Russia when he was young, and eventually his family settled in the United States in 1912 when Knight was 15. From his stories came the 1943 film Lassie Come Home, starring, and I didn't believe this, I had to really click around to make sure this was true, Elizabeth Taylor? Really? I mean, I know she did some shit films, as have we all. Well, we as in Hollywood folk, I have... Don't Google my name. And uh, <clears throat> then the TV series based on the character aired from 1954 until 1973, which explains why black and white reruns were so ubiquitous when I was younger. And yeah, I just realized I spent three minutes talking about Lassie, but this was a really fun bit of research. I didn't know that Elizabeth Taylor had starred in the Lassie movie. I didn't realize that this was a whole thing going back almost 200 years now. That's just crazy. Shadow asks the Raven to say Nevermore, which the Raven does not find amusing, but I certainly do. It's a nod to Edgar Allan Poe's 1845 narrative poem, The Raven, perhaps the best-known poem written in trochaic octameter. And I know what you're thinking. How can you really choose between all those poems written in such a common and simplistic meter? The no poem is notable beyond its meter and rhyme scheme because it contains a lot of folk references, a lot of mythological references, a multitude of references to various religions, as well as a number of references to bits of classical literature. It's noted in the opening pages that Shadow isn't much of a reader, but given his age, he could easily have been exposed to the poem in, well, I was going to say high school, middle school, if he was like me and read Edgar Allan Poe obsessively for about a decade. Or he could even have stumbled across the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode, which aired in 1990, when Shadow would have been probably about 20. It's also just generally one of the most well-known American poems, so there's plenty of other sources that he could have learned about it from. The raven cusses at him, which makes sense because Shadow's kind of being a dick, and then the raven flies away, where the sky is described as uniform gray, which holds no real connotations, except maybe that the clouds are getting ready to burst again. I keep scanning the page to see if Neil wrote anything in trochaic octameter, and it unfortunately doesn't look like it, which is a real shame. Missed opportunity, Neil. I know you'll consult me for the next book, though. The Raven leads Shadow to Culver's Frozen Custard. Culver's was founded in 1984, and Sauk City, Wisconsin, has grown to more than 600 stores in various states throughout the country. The mascot, per Wikipedia, is an anthropomorphic custard cone named Scoopy, and goddamn if that isn't an American nightmare, huh? I mean, it can't be any worse than Gritty, or can it? I don't know. I haven't seen anyone that wants to fuck Scoopy yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Hmm, I guess that's going to be my work day. I'm just going to be Googling Rule 34 Scoopy now. Well, there's worse ways to spend a Friday. Shadow orders food from the restaurant, goes into the restroom to make an inventory of his stuff, and he's got the money that Wednesday gave him after, after the bank job and not much else. Also important to note that that was just yesterday. It does not feel like it's only been a day since the bank job, but yeah, it really has. I I keep mentioning this because I cannot keep this in my mind. We've been, you know, 140 pages into the book, and so little time has passed. It, it, it just kind of blows my mind a little bit when I really think about it. I don't think I ever made a particular note of how quickly things kind of come together at the beginning and then how slowly the middle of the book goes. Anyway, Shadow's got his health and his life, and so he cleans himself up and is probably going to go back into the restaurant and have a burger, it sounds like, huh? 
Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetail at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real. <laughs>